Dennis Sarfate making his first appearance. What will you do to defend the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Welcome to the Green Dragon Tavern, where we talk a little treason. I'm Zach Lautenschlager. And I'm Dennis Sarfate. Chemical abortions are a major topic of discussion and have been since uh, the Dodd decision that overturned Roe. Um, the Guttmacher Institute, their latest numbers estimate that 54% of abortions are committed chemically, in other words, with a pill. This is not birth control. This is actually ending the life of a tiny human being, sometimes unfortunately not so tiny. But it, size shouldn't really matter, should it? It doesn't matter whether or not the person has this or that functionality or where that person exists. Uh, even the left has to admit that life does begin at conception. And now the argument is, so what? I have the right to kill this person. Those numbers of 54% actually come from February of 2022. That's when they were published um, and updated. And unfortunately, that means that uh, that probably those are probably 2020 or 2021 numbers. There aren't numbers yet on the post-row chemical abortion uh, epidemic, if you will. The reality is that it is probably higher than 75% or more. Uh, as states actually do begin uh, cracking down on abortion clinics, unfortunately, inconsistently, uh, but that does result in fewer surgical abortions. People are turning to uh, chemicals to kill their children. It is a horrible reality in America, and it means that even though Roe has been overturned, abortion is far from over. We want to introduce our good friend Bradley Pierce from the Foundation to Abolish Abortion, uh, where he is president and lead attorney. Bradley is also the president of Abolish Abortion Texas. We've worked together for many years, and uh, there is no one better in America to address the current problems, especially with chemical abortions. Welcome, Bradley. Thank you all for having me. It's good to be with you. It's great to have you. Uh, what do you think about those numbers, Bradley? Guttmacher is a pro-abortion outfit, and obviously the numbers are also very old. Yeah, I mean, I think for what they are, I think they're probably accurate for that time. Uh, I know they may have been released in 22, but I think they're referring to you know 2020 numbers, perhaps even 2019 numbers. Um, and so chemical abortions have been on the rise. And again, those are just the ones that are reported. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that doesn't even include... Uh, you know, th there were people ordering abortion pills uh, themselves through, you know, overseas abortion pills providers, uh, even before Dobbs. And um, so those numbers don't include that. So I think even at that time, the number was certainly higher than 54 percent. I think today it's even much higher because you have people who are in states where abortion has, you know, where clinics have been banned that are either going outside of states or the numbers that we're seeing is that about 40% of those who were getting abortions in state uh, um, are now ordering the pills and, and doing them in state. So we believe that the, the numbers, like you said, 75%, I don't think that's much of a stretch at all. So the battle shifts to regulating, um, and this is how many people view it, regulating those, those particular um, drugs or chemicals. In fact, Wyoming had legislation which specifically restricted the use of, I think it said mifeprestone, and it was pointed out that that has multiple other uses besides abortion um, that are legitimate. Uh, it's the problem with banning one particular substance or one particular practice. Um, Wyoming did eventually pass legislation um, restricting the use of mif mifeprestone in order to commit abortion, which is great. Unfortunately, uh, the bill has very few teeth. Um, and we are, as we've read through that bill, now I will say that this is, that legislation was brought by um, friends of mine, people I've worked with in politics for years. In fact, one of the co-sponsors, uh, I ran parts of his campaign. Um, and so there are multiple very well-meaning people who are doing uh, work that they believe needs to be done, and certainly things that can help. But on the other hand, when you look at the difficulty of the political reality, as, as we all have to acknowledge, um, one answer is to water the bill down, unfortunately. And sometimes that happens without your, without your consent, as you and I both know, Brad. Um, your bill gets changed on you, um, especially as you're working through the process, but how you respond is important. What's your take on the Wyoming bill? You know, again, like you said, I'm, I'm sure the people behind it, um, you know, are, are well-meaning and, and, and want to 
want to end abortion. Um, you know, it certainly has a number of issues, uh, and the, you know, the kind of the largest issue of all is that it it explicitly excludes the the woman who is uh, ordering the pills, taking the pills. Ex- explicitly says that the bill does not apply to her, and so that means that it it would still be legal, perfectly legal in Wyoming, as explicitly stated by this bill, for a woman to you know uh, bring these pills in from out of state. Um, or to order them through the mails, which, of course, Wyoming doesn't have jurisdiction over the mails, and then have them delivered and, and then to take them at home. And, and, um, and the, bill, the bill doesn't, you know, doesn't prohibit that. And in fact, expressly says that it doesn't, it may expressly says that's legal, right? That the mother uh, cannot in any way be prosecuted for that. And so, you know, that's the biggest problem. Um, you know, it, obviously when you're passing a bill to in any way restrict abortion, you know, the goal is, you know, the number one goal of, of any law is to deter conduct, right? It's to, to get people to stop doing something. Um, the secondary function of a law is the justice, you know, and seeking justice for victims, but the primary function is to deter conduct. And unfortunately, uh, this bill does not deter mothers from, you know, from getting chemical abortions because uh, it says it explicitly doesn't apply to them. You know, Brad, um, and again, there's, there's many other issues we can get into, but that would be the, the very first and foremost. Yeah. You know, Bradley, you've worked with us across this country with equal protection bills, um, getting justice for the preborn. When you look at a bill like this, I looked at some of the bylaws that are written in there and some of the sections, they use words like the health of the mother. Um, it's very vague. You know, when you put a bill of equal protection and you're talking about protecting all babies, with justice, there's no exceptions. Um, people that are involved, there should be a criminal penalty, right? I've, I've heard you use the analogy if, if the government says no one can drive a red car, but there's no penalty, you're gonna see a lot of red cars on the streets. With this bill kind of having a hole in it where it could be mental health of the mother or it could be um, where she's not facing prosecution, like you said, she can get it in the mail. How, how can we take that as a victory when we know that it's not really stopping um, abortions at all, it's really it's 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 not doing anything. Yeah, well, there's there's the application to the mother, right? That which is really, um, you know, that, that, that's obviously who's, you know, there there are certainly women who are forced into an abortions, but generally it's the mother who's making the choice, knowingly and voluntarily, to proceed with an abortion. There's a reason it's called pro-choice, because mm. um, that's the majority of the time that's what's happening. And so the bill doesn't in any way, you know, restrict the person who is making that choice um, to cause the death of their own child. You know, as far as these other issues in the bill, you mentioned health. You know, the bill is limited to it has to be a physical condition. It can't just be mental health um, as a claim. But, yeah, you know, the issue, one of the issues with all of this is like, how in the world do you enforce this? You know, because there's this general prohibition. um, It shall be unlawful to prescribe dispense, distribute, sell, or use any drug for the purpose of procuring or performing an abortion on any person, which the, you know, the prohibition on using it is odd because just a few paragraphs later it says a woman upon whom a chemical abortion is performed or attempted shall not be criminally prosecuted. It's like, so obviously kind of the using of it is not really prohibited because um, the, who's going to be using it other than, <laughs> other than the woman. Um, but then we have there are exceptions that that prohibition doesn't apply to. Um, first, it says the cell use pres- prescription or administration of any contraceptive agent administered before conception, um, and ex- conceptions there is defined as fertilization. So it's like okay, yeah, that's fine. Anything that prohibits or that that prevents fertilization, yeah, there's that's not killing a human being, so that's fine. And then um, or before pregnancy can be confirmed through conventional medical testing. So this that that provision then allows for things that do that are abortifacient mm-hmm. like Plan B, morning after pills. So that's that's a that's a problem there. Um, yeah. Then skipping down a little bit, it then says that this prohibition doesn't apply to treatment necessary to preserve the woman from an imminent peril, which is undefined, that substantially endangers her life or health. And health is undefined in the law other than it says, according to appropriate medical judgment. 
which is also undefined, and uh, <clears throat> or the pregnancy is the result of incest or sexual assault. <clears throat> so this is kind of a rape or incest clause. And again, this also doesn't require, there's nothing required there other than that the woman claim that it's the result of um, incest or sexual assault. There's there's other legislation that has been in Wyoming, and there's other legislation in other states that have <clears throat> that have these rape and incest exceptions, which have their own problem because they're punishing a child for you know the crimes of the of the child's father, and um, you know and, and saying hey the answer to this horrible violent tragedy is to commit another horrible violent tragedy and and that's wrong but but also it uh, how how do you even enforce this it doesn't require the woman to make a even make a report. There's some states that try to make button this up a little more. They say, well, the woman's got to make a report uh, or the doctor's got to make a report or this person has to actually have been, you know, the the so-called or, or, or the claimed rapist um, or you know, they have to have actually been charged or indicted uh, in order for you to claim a raper ex- exception. But here in this bill that that Wyoming passed SF0109. Uh, none of that's required, meaning that all it requires is that the woman make a claim mm-hmm. that it's a result of, of sexual assault or incest. There doesn't have to be any other um, anything else required on top of that, which I mean, that is a huge loophole that that in some ways makes the rest of it, you know, eviscerates the rest of it. Um, you know, so, again, there's nothing that prohibits doctors from from having these chemicals on hand. Uh, there's nothing that prohibits, um, you know, possessing them. And then you can, you can still administer them for health, which is undefined for rape and incest, which requires no, you know, no, no evidence or even any due process at all. And then none of it applies to the mother. So, you know, I, I would like to say that the bill does something. Um, and it certainly at least puts, you know, you could say it puts a shot o- over the bow and it will at least make, doctors and and pharmacists think twice but it really uh, you know it doesn't have any teeth mm-hmm. you know not uh, certainly not for the the woman who's going to be uh, procuring these um, but even for the doctors and pharmacists and you know abortion clinics as well it's going to be really really hard to to enforce this mm-hmm. Bradley what do you th- how does that work play out um, there are some who are claiming that this is the first chemical abortion ban. Um, a, a quick Google search and, and some knowledge of what has passed in other states uh, demonstrates that's not true. Um, and then we also have uh, the Walgreens decision a couple weeks ago on whether or not they're going to sell mifeprestone in states that have similar laws. Where does the Wyoming law fit in with what's already passed, and what effect do you think uh, these state laws are having? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some way you can slice it to, to say that this is the first bill that does exactly what this bill does. Um, but there are certainly lots of other states that that the effect of their laws is to ban chemical abortions. There's even states that have passed explicit or I should say specific chemical abortion bans. So in that regard, this is not the first. And that's why there were 20 state legislators, uh, I'm sorry, 20 states attorney generals um, who sent a letter to Walgreens saying, you know, once because the FDA said, hey, Walgreens, CVS pharmacies, you can begin to carry, uh, you know, right. these two abortion pills. And um, so these 20 AGs told, you know, sent a letter to Walgreens and said, you better not in our state because our law prohibits that. And that's because this isn't the first bill like this, the first bill that would restrict this. There's 20 states that do have laws in place. Um, and you know how you know that those laws are effective. It's because Walgreens said, okay, we're not going to then, right? And of course, Walgreens is there to make money. And so, you know, they were planning on carrying it um, until they realized, oh no, actually this is illegal in these 20 states. So they announced that they're not going to there. And um, and now Wyoming, I think, is, is adding itself to that list to make that 21 states uh, where where pharmacies like Walgreens can't carry these, or at least you know, that at least that's the goal. Right. So we have some effect. Um, and that's something that, you know, we all look at and we all say, well, praise God that 
uh, this is a positive step forward. Um, but let's be realistic about how many lives this will actually save for the purpose of recognizing what, how much else needs to be done. Um, it's, it's easy to celebrate a victory um, in legislative management. We call that bilitis. You get a disease, it's kind of like buck fever, that says we have to have a bill, we have to pass a bill, even if that bill doesn't do what we hoped it would do. And sometimes, unfortunately, and I'm not saying it's the case in this case, but unfortunately, you, you, you get bills that don't do what we said they do. Um, uh, again, right. I don't think that's the case here. I haven't had any, heard anyone say that. But what is it that needs to be done? What are ways around this? We've talked about it a little bit, but practically, how does that work? How if, if a mother is just bent on killing her child, unfortunately, and in many cases with knowledge of what, what she's doing, um, how, is she going, how can she go about that in, in states like Wyoming now? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, there's 20 states that have some kind of ban. You know, Texas is one of them. That's where I live. That's where I'm the most familiar. And we've just gotten through doing some doing some research based on some studies from some medical journals, trying to find out how many abortions are taking place uh, in there's there's supposedly 13 states that have banned abortion as a result of Dobbs or shortly after Dobbs because of pre-roll laws or trigger bills. And we're trying to figure out how many abortions, uh, you, you know, you talk about how many how many lives have been saved. Um, are these abortions still going on? You know, this really didn't have anything to do with, doesn't cut off demand. It could just kind of shift supply. So, you know, what's really going on here? And, and the data that we've found, and I feel pretty confident in this, is that um, at most in, in a state like Texas, abortions went down about well, just over 5% at most uh, after the Dobbs decision or since Dobbs. That may not even that may. And again, we're trying to be extremely conservative. I think that it may be that it hasn't gone down at all. It's even possible that it's gone up. But being extremely generous, I think it's gone down about five percent of the remaining abortions that are going on you know, that involving Texas women. About 60 percent of those are going out of state. And then the remaining 40 percent, which are about a little over 19,000, almost 20,000 abortions are still taking place in state. Um, and we've we've looked at this as well recently for Alabama, and saw you know similar ratio, um, and and in fact there's numbers from Louisiana that shows abortions have actually gone way up since Dobbs, and so I, I expect the same is going to be true for Wyoming, that although this may you know even even with all the enforcement you know issues with the bill, perhaps it does dissuade some doctors and some pharmacies from carrying and prescribing these pills. But nevertheless, it's extremely easy for for women to order these pills online and get them delivered to their home and take them. And we're seeing them doing it by the tens of thousands, if not the hundreds of thousands across the country right now. And it just gets easier every day. And so, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, if people talk about um, you know, you're just shifting the air to another part of the balloon. Right. You're, you're not actually popping the balloon of abortions, you know, by making it illegal. You're just shifting it, right? Okay, now it's not going to be, you know, in-state pharmacies. Well, now it's just going to be an out-of-state pharmacy that provides these prescriptions. Okay, um, so now you know instead of you know driving down to their Walgreens, they'll just walk down to their mailbox and, and get it out of there, and go to, basically to the Amazon, you know, for abortions, and uh, which is the way most people, you know, most people that of our generation and below like to do, anyways. Um, so. I would be extremely surprised if this dropped numbers much, um, if at all, unfortunately. I wish I could say that, that they did, um, but that's not what we've seen in the rest of the country. So obviously state legislation uh, actually banning the practice of abortion by any means is um, a, the, the sure method of actually ending abortion. Unfortunately, no state has passed that yet. Um, it's something right. that I know the Foundation to Abolish Abortion is working on. It's something that Action for Life is working on. Um, tell us a little bit more about that uh, that effort. Yeah, well, I mean, that's you know, it's we're trying to abolish abortion. What does abolish abortion means? It means making it illegal, mm -hmm. right? Illegal for everyone. Um, so it, you know, I know a lot of people say again in some of these states where abortion is illegal for clinics, so abortion's been abolished. It's like, yeah, but it's still completely legal for mothers and who can still every baby in the state is still subject to legally being killed 
you know, that's not that's when I say abolish, that's not what I mean. And and what we're trying to do is when we say make it illegal, we're saying provide equal protection, we're saying provide equal protection to every child. What is equal protection? You know, it just means that the same laws that protect you and me, that protect born people, should protect people before they're born as well. It's what the Constitution requires. The 14th Amendment says no state shall deny to any person within this jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And so that's what the Constitution requires states to do today is to provide equal protection. And we've, we haven't been doing that. And that's part of how we got Roe versus Wade in the first place. Uh, we weren't we were saying a fetus is a person, but we weren't treating them that way. And we haven't since and this bill doesn't either. And so that's really the answer. You know, cause I, there's someone I was talking to the other day. They said, uh, you know, abolishing homicide of born people doesn't mean that there's not going to be any more homicides. There, there's still twenty five thousand homicides a year in the United States. Um, but there's, you know, around a million abortions a year in the United States. And, and the reason that there's so many more is because one of those things is illegal mm-hmm. and one of those things is not. And and so if we want to truly abolish abortion and get the numbers way, way down, um, then we have to actually provide equal protection of the laws and protect them with the same homicide laws to protect our lives. I feel like it, it becomes like political propaganda, right? You have the conservatives that run these pro-life campaigns. They, they say they'll fight for life. Um, and then these bills come across their table, bills that we've put in, and they say it's it's not the right time. It's it's too much. When the other side is literally asking for full term abortions and nine months babies delivered on the on the table can still be aborted, there ha- there is a huge difference between pro life and wanting to save babies, all babies, and and just letting murder take place day in and day out. And I think until we see that as a, as a whole society, as culture is shifted and changed by the gospel, we're not going to see a change in this because we've been in offices with these legislators and they lie right to your face. They know that they're not going to run this bill. They know it's going to be killed and they'll give you that time to put it in and kind of run with it a little bit. But as soon as there's any pushback by their own party, it just falls apart. So how do we get past that part? How do, how do we get to the next the next stages? The analogy I hate the most that I hear from most people, we're on the five-yard line. Well, if we're on the five-yard line, how do we push it into the end zone? Right, right. Well, I mean, we have to be sure of what, what is our goal, right? Mm-hmm. Is our goal for the law to equally protect our pre-born neighbors? You know, that, that's where you know, a lot of the pro-life establishment, pro-life lobby, that's not their goal, right? Their, their goal is not equal protection. It's basically shut down Planned Parenthood, and okay, the job's done. Even though, okay, now people now every home becomes an abortion clinic mm-hmm. because people can just get the pills mailed directly to them. Um, so, you know, the goal for me is equal protection, right? The same laws that protect our lives, protect theirs. It's not complicated. We don't have to pass new laws. We just have to take away these exceptions and make sure that our laws protect them from birth. Yeah, so that's part of it. You know, the other thing is among conservatives and Republicans, and I certainly am both of those, depending on how you define the term conservative. You know, a lot of times we're we're you know the term conservative can can be a problem because, um, you know, because we're in a lot of ways it's really accurate because most of our time is spent trying to conserve ground mm-hmm. uh, instead of going and taking ground and gaining ground and taking back things that we've given up and things that we've lost. Um, so a lot of, a lot of Republicans, and I was even at the Texas Capitol this week, talking to lots of legislators um, about our bills here. Um, and, you know, a lot of the responses that I was getting was, well, but this is going to play into the argument of the pro-abortion crowd that we just want to hurt women. And, and it's like, wait, are you going to let, are you going to let the pro-abortion, you know, their lies, are you going to let that dictate to you, you know, policy? Because if so, then you're really easy to play, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) it's really easy for them to play you. They just have to make Mm -hmm. up some lie and then get you to overreact to it and say, oh, no, 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 we don't want to protect, we don't want to, you know, in any way do anything like like you're talking about in fact we're going to make it to where the bill allows women to do abortions yeah it's like 
what? Yeah. Well, that's like, the yeah, that's the reality of elective politics on any issue. It is uh, there are a couple rules that uh, that we talk about um, and that we have found to be very true. I certainly have in twenty five years of doing this. One is that the uh, extremes determine the middle. When you have uh, the left, you watch how far left they run. Why is it that they're now saying, shout your abortion? Why are they openly um, promoting people? We're standing outside the Supreme Court in December of uh, 21, um, on the day of oral arguments for the Dobbs case, and the invited speaker says, you know, we're, we're just chatting and you know caught my ear so we we heard her say this with our own ears and it's also a matter of public record i liked abortion so much i came back for seconds Mm -hmm. i've had multiples and i liked it why are they saying that why are they using extreme language like that well it's because it's an observable fact um, that you will get more of what you want if you push the envelope on the extreme side the left does not mind sounding extreme when it's something that they really want. Mm -hmm. And then they love to, you can do, you can keep the other side from doing that by saying, oh, you're being extreme. Well, it's up to us to point out that number one, um, keeping women from committing murder by making it illegal so that, so that everyone knows men and women know that you, that that's a baby and you don't kill them because it's illegal. That is a good thing for both men and women. It's especially good thing for women. Um, the, the utter havoc that it wreaks on your life mm-hmm. to know that I killed someone. And, and you, I've, I've spoken with many women who have uh, committed an abortion. And whether they are angry and defensive or they know it and they, they are, have moved beyond uh, not dealing with it, they're not dealing with it, it's, it's destructive. It is so right. deeply destructive. It's hard to describe how deeply destructive that is. Now, how many movies have we all seen or books that we've read in which someone who commits murder is hounded by their conscience for the rest of their days? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, now, what's the good news? The good news is there is forgiveness. Um, there, There is a way past that. Um, and that is, um, uh, of course, you. we have listeners who are not Christians, and you may disagree, but we still believe and we still know that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that it's okay to proceed. That's the point. So the reality that, that uh, the extremes define the middle in any political fight is hard to avoid. We're gonna, you're going to see that. And that's the, what you're talking about there, Brad, is part of that reality. The other part of the reality, you've, we've, both, we've all addressed it, um, but it's important to recognize and differentiate between legislators who really don't care. They're just there to... Con- further their their own agenda there which is to get reelected and that is unfortunately the majority of people who get elected uh, to any elective office in America mm-hmm. it is a human response i have this office i want to keep it now what do i need to do to keep it um and uh, especially those who get into leadership those who are in leadership uh, the speaker of the house the majority leader the minority leader the committee chairs um these people are not there to do the right thing for the most part doesn't mean there isn't ever one there are sometimes i have met um, some who are and i've worked with many who are but then you have the people who are really trying to do the right thing they really are trying to in this case end abortion i'm talking about legislators they are the minority mm-hmm. and they're really trying now how do you win well you have to demonstrate to the majority to the people who really don't care they're just there to get reelected, that my side of, of this discussion is more likely to vote you out of office if you, uh, if you, for example, vote for abortion, which unfortunately um, bills that do both, bills that such as Wyoming, it does both. It limits abortion, it also protects abortion mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, and that's, that's a political reality that we all have to acknowledge. The sponsors, if, you know, I've, I've heard many of them acknowledge that, yeah, it's not perfect, you know, they'll all say that. And so how do you push it to actually ending abortion. Well, you have to demonstrate uh, that our side is more dedicated. Our side will vote you out. Um, How did we get to the point of uh, a Supreme Court that was actually willing to overturn Roe, an important step in this process and something that in and of itself is just? 
it is just to require the federal government to stop interfering and keeping states uh, from doing their job, keeping state legislators from upholding their oath. Or at least stops the federal courts. Mm -hmm. Correct. Maybe not the the Congress, but at least the federal courts. Yes, well, that's true. The good news is Congress isn't touching this anytime soon. (laughs) You can, the political reality, um, it's going to be a long time before Congress wants to vote on this. The Democrats proved it by holding a vote in the U.S. Senate um, to, quote-unquote, codify abortion, which failed miserably. Mm-hmm. There aren't enough who want to touch this issue, and that is the, that is the reality. They are—that that is what it is to be a legislator. You have to deal with the tough issues, and you don't want to. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's how it works. Now, that's a good thing. How did we get there? Um, the problem with talking about uh, Dobbs, with talking about overturning Roe, is that it continues the myth that abortion has ended, right? That's great. Roe's been overturned, so abortion is over. It's simply not true. Thankfully, um, the, uh, the left uh, helps us in, uh, in certifying and in, in publishing that, yeah, that's not true. Abortion is still very much alive and well. Um, and so, but, but how do we get there? How do we get there? We got there because... Um, as much as there are problems and as much as um, there are issues within the movement, the pro-life movement did get to the point to where politicians feared to cross them. Uh, that is, that's how we got there. We got there because eventually those politicians did um, appoint Supreme Court justices who would recognize the reality that the Constitution, <laughs> penumbra or not, does not guarantee a right to kill other people. That is absurd on the face of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do, how do we make progress to actually ending abortion? Um, we have made gestures, and there is uh, some progress, as you've pointed out. Um, best estimates are it is small. How do you actually get there? We have to demonstrate to the to politicians that, yes, people who believe that you can't just kill someone because they're inconvenient, uh, or because it is in the middle of a tragedy, or because it would be really, really hard if you didn't kill them. In, in a few cases, yes, it would be horribly hard. Rape is an appalling crime, and it does bring appalling uh, hardship sometimes on the mother of the, the little tiny person who is conceived in rape. Is it okay to kill that person because it would be really difficult if they lived? That's what we're saying. No, it's not. It's not. And, f- and furthermore, that's, it, it is a very, very small percentage vast majority even the other side admits that it is in the upper 90s of the of upper 90s percentile uh it's it just inconvenient it's inconvenient it would it would hurt my career it would it would mean that i have to be a mother and i don't want to mm-hmm. um well how do you how do you actually outlaw abortion you have to convince the politicians that that uh, standing with uh, the pro-abortion side is less politically advisable it is less politically advisable. You will probably have trouble getting reelected if you continue voting to allow abortion. Um, now, some people say, well, that sounds extreme. Well, it's actually called government by the consent of the governed. It's, well, it's actually quite you, simple. Can I give an, an example of this? Please do. So we have uh, in Texas, we've had four rounds, you know, with an abolition equal protection bill. This is our fourth time. We actually have it in the House and Senate this time. So we got it in both chambers. We're excited about that. Um, in the House, um, the Speaker of the House for the last previous three sessions assigned it to. I believe you re- pronounce his name Felon, right? <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, Felon, like I think, Dave is what Phelan. he prefers. H L E A N. Looks like Felon to me. <laughs> uh, but the previous three sessions, he referred our bill to Republican, you know, committee chair who ended up killing the bill. But this session, it seems like he's decided. You know what? I'm just going to take this one. And he referred it to a Democrat Planned Parenthood champion uh, committee chair. Um, and so we're going to be letting, and we already are, but we're definitely going to be letting the uh, the voters in his district, they, they, they'll probably be getting some mail soon, uh, letting them know uh, exactly what he's doing. <laughs> I love it. Bradley, I deeply appreciate and want to express my appreciation for your faithful work in politics. Mm-hmm. Politics is blocking and tackling. It's like football. You have to work your way across the entire field. And those who say we're one on the five-yard line, they use that as an excuse sometimes to say that, well, we need to back off. We need to be really careful. We're so close. We don't want to ruin it. Mm-hmm. That is not right. how you play the game. When you're at the five-yard line, you push to make the last five yards. 
That's what you do. Now, are we on the five-yard line? I don't know if that's accurate based on how much work it takes to actually get uh, a victory to actually pass legislation. This is something that I've been privileged to be able to do, pass controversial legislation, and, and get to the point to where it's not controversial anymore. Now, ending abortion is more controversial than the, than the issues that I have, have experienced victory on. Um, and you have just expressed the necessity of continuing to work day in and day out, demonstrating to the political class, to the politicians and the lobbyists, um, that there are negative political consequences. In other words, you are more likely to lose elections, you are more likely to have a hard time getting elected if you fail to support the right to life, if you fail to support tiny people who are alive and fully human in their mother's wombs. Um, the reason Dade Felon is uh, reassigning that legislation, your bill actually banning abortion, this year to a pro-abort committee chair, which blows your mind. You have to understand that that Phelan is uh, a Republican. He got elected as a Republican, he got elected as a conservative, and then he appoints left-leaning Democrats as committee chairs in Texas. This is part of the dirty little secret. Everything is bigger in Texas, including the corruption. And so, <laughs> at least in some offices. And so... Um, He's using that chair as a foil. That's what he's doing. And as you exactly pointed out, (laughs) that is Phelan's fault. Now, the reason he's doing that is because he used to send it to to, uh, Republican chairs, and they are getting really tired of being chewed on by their own constituents for being pro-abortion, for killing the actual pro-life bill. That is is progress. It is progress that's hard to see. It's progress that's hard to celebrate because babies are still dying. But it is political progress nonetheless. We want to talk about incremental steps. And for those, you know, you have a debate. There will be listeners who take uh, an immediatist approach that say the only right thing to do is to um, support bills that actually fully end abortion. There are going to be listeners who say, no, we want to do it incrementally. Um, We each have our opinions here. There's going to be a little bit of a spread, uh, but for the most part, uh, well, we're going to all agree that the bill does have to be just, that you can't, it can't be unjust, and that when we allow injustice in legislation, that is just plain wrong. Um, but whether you think that it should be done step by step or whether you think it needs to be done all at once, uh, most of us, most of you, unfortunately, are missing the point uh, where the actual political steps are. It comes in demonstrating that you can't support abortion and claim to be pro-life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Now, unfortunately, it has worked that way for them for a while, so they're addicted. They're hooked on this political cocaine that says you can get elected if you say you're pro-life, and then you don't really have to do anything. Whose fault is that? Well, yes, legislators bear, bear fault for that. Who else, Brad? Well, I mean, again, that's, that's, and that, that's the problem with bills like what we're talking about here, right? It really um, it gives cover to people who aren't really interested in abolishing abortion. And, oh, this bill still allows people to abort their babies. They just have to do it differently. <clears throat> OK, well, I can vote for that. And instead of, you know, a bill of equal protection that exposes people who actually want to protect babies, who actually believe that we should protect babies the same way that we protect, you know, b- or babies before they're born, the same way we protect babies after they're born. Um, so that's one of the beauties of a bill of equal protection is that it truly uh, separates the the talkers from the walkers, mm-hmm. right? The people who are actually believers that babies are that preborn babies are persons, um, you know, they're going to support the equal protection bill. Um, you yep. know, bills like this just give cover to people who are just not really not really there to abolish abortion. And that is one of the major answers, the major problems that people who support a more incremental approach have to give. You have to explain. How how do you overcome the tremendous downside of giving people who aren't actually pro-life? And that's not to say that everyone who votes for, for example, the Wyoming bill is at harboring uh, a secret desire to support abortion or to be uh, to to enjoy the political benefits of not actually ending abortion. That's not. Yeah, we all agree that's not true. There are people who vote for um, legislation that we would consider to be unjust who do so out of a genuine desire to end abortion. But there are the vast majority, the number that you need. Uh, they are voting for it because it doesn't actually end abortion. How do you deal with that problem? There's always a downside to a bill. That is the major downside to an incremental bill, um, beyond the fact that most of them are unjust. Um, the other part of that 
equation is that once we have votes, we want to we want to make them vote, even if they vote wrong. We need you need them to do it publicly, and then you need to demonstrate that people don't support that perspective. It is our fault as citizens for failing to hold our elected representatives. It's it's a cliche in America. Well, I'm going to write my congressman. It's a cliche for it's useless. It doesn't work. And why is that? Because you're not actually holding your congressman accountable. You're not actually. And how do you do that? You have to get involved in the political process. What does that mean? You have to uh, publish information on this particular elected representative, state rep, state legislators in this case, to their constituents at the time when those constituents are voting. It's not actually very hard. It's something that we can all do. Yeah, and you know, you just have to do it. We're, we're the extremists, right? We, you hear it all the time. You guys want to prosecute women, and I think the the best claim that Bradley actually gave me was, no, we're prosecuting a crime. We're not prosecuting women. There's not a gender. There's not a race that we're prosecuting. We're prosecuting the crime of killing an innocent child. Um, when you, when they feel or they're shouting out that you're the extremist because you want to save babies, you know you're on the right path. You know you're on the right side. Um, that's the way I live by it. And um, I, I just don't see this changing at all until we change the people that we have elected in office. I think we have to really find people that are going to run on values that they have established in their own lives because the political gain is there. We've seen it. We've seen people be so uh, outspoken for it. And as soon as they get into office, they run the bill and you don't hear from them and it's killed in committee and then they disappear forever. But then you have the ones that are fighters. You know, you have the the Ernie Yarbroughs in Alabama so far who are, are looking strong. Uh, Emily Calloway in, in Kentucky. Um, Mr. Dunahoo in, in Georgia, who who wavered a little bit. Rob Harris. Rob South Harris, Carolina. yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. There, are, there are many who yeah. are faithful <laughs> brothers and sisters to the Lord that they their faith is stronger than their position in politics, and they're doing the right thing. But I'm okay with people calling me an extremist when it means that I stand for life and I want to protect all babies and that you, kill, you can't kill any of them. Um, that's okay. That's an okay title that I'll, I'll wear that with a badge of honor. Well, I'm definitely more and more convinced that we, we do, we have to recruit our own and, um, and get them in there. And, you know, you have to have someone that, um, changes, this changes the paradigm, mm -hmm. right? You have to get somebody on the inside of you. And, and then w once you get over a certain tipping point, then you don't need everybody. You don't need a majority. You just need a certain tipping point, and then you'll get all those people who may be not doing it for the right reasons. They may not be doing it because they're believers, but they may be doing it. They're doing it because their voters are telling them they have to. Um, but we've got to get, be getting more people into office who who are going to do the right thing for the right reasons. Speak no more of confidence in man, but bind him with the chains of the Constitution. That's Thomas Jefferson. That wasn't a statement uh, acknowledging that well, uh, only good men are going to good men and women are going to hold office, and therefore we will be safe. It was the the more realistic um, liberty lovers, such as Jefferson and Henry, um, who said that yeah, that's not going to work. People are going to serve their own self interest. That is the nature of human beings, the majority. So how do we overcome that? You overcome that by holding them accountable. That's what it meant. Bind them by the chains of the Constitution. Hold them accountable to the law of the land. How do you do that? By voting them out of office when they don't. Uh, and we have experienced this. That tipping point, Bradley, comes, as you know, when the majority who really aren't there to do the right thing, they're there to, to stay in office, um, when the, they believe that the best way to do that is to go ahead and vote for your bill. That's what it comes down to, and that, that is the only time that's when it does happen. And it has happened in the past. Slavery has actually been abolished um, and it was done without a war. Um, it, it is one of America's shames that we did have a war over that issue rather than simply doing the right thing. Um, it was eventually abolished. And it was done so politically. Interestingly enough, only when the states forced the federal government to uh, abolish slavery did it actually happen. And did I say abortion before? I may have misspoken there. Abolishing slavery in uh, the last century, uh, two centuries ago now, um, but you can look in other nations, and it was done politically. It has been done politically in many places. It can be done again, uh, and, and this is this is a similar fight for sure. 
Bradley, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, for giving us uh, of your time freely. We appreciate all of your labors, and uh, we uh, look forward to the next steps. Sure, thanks. Thanks, thanks Bradley. For me on. Good to be with y'all. You know, one of the realities about extremism on abortion, um, people like to say that, well, you want to, as you said, um, uh, Dennis, that you, we won't, those who want to end abortion just want to prosecute women. Um, well, it is true that women are, are the only people who can get pregnant, the only people who can bear children. Uh, that is true. It's also, however, true that for the most part, Men are the uh, people who commit rape. If we want to prosecute rape, does that mean we want to um, prosecute men? Is that what that means? Well, no, obviously not. Rape is a horrible crime, and those who commit rape should face the penalty. Those who commit murder should also face the penalty. Murder is a horrible crime. Um, the fact that uh, a woman w might commit murder and uh, kill her baby in the womb does not change the fact that it is still murder, any more than the fact that most rapes are committed by men and therefore crimes, uh, laws against the crime of rape. Is that somehow unfair to men? Absolutely not. It would be outrageous to say so. And in fact, it is the Western, the tradition of Western Jewish prudence, because it's based on um, the morality of the Bible, uh, that says that rape is a capital crime. It should bring the death penalty when proven in court. Um, that is Western jurisprudence. It is also true that murder is another capital crime. They are two, the two major capital crimes. Um, so to say that somehow it's, it's unjust and pursuing something, some kind of persecution against women to, uh, to recognize that killing a person in the womb is actually murder is outrageous. It, it's as outrageous as saying that, that uh, prosecuting the crime of rape is somehow persecuting men. Uh, how disgusting would that be? That um, importance, uh, dedication to justice, the importance of recognizing that um, justice matters. It matters that there be a recognition of uh, immutable law, that there are laws which uh, cannot be broken without um, people being hurt deeply. It's another way in which we see, uh, or there's another way in which we see this this play out this week in the case against uh, Trump, and we have to recognize that uh, it, it's a bit unsavory paying off uh, a porn star for a, a, a possible um, uh, case of adultery, an affair. Um, now, this is something that uh, America has come to just be somewhat used to. This is the way Trump is. Um, and it's something that uh, is not okay. It's not okay for our public officials to act in this manner. But it's also not specific to Trump, is it? Uh, as soon as it came up, I was uh, reminded, I actually remember uh, a, an American president in the late 90s going on TV and saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Um, turned out that he actually did, that President Bill Clinton actually did, uh, and ended up paying $850,000 to settle out of court. Um, now for uh, a, a, uh, the Manhattan DA to be pursuing <laughs> this kind of, uh, of political uh, retribution against Trump, um, it's outrageous. That part is outrageous, and it is a miscarriage of justice. I got to say, you know, we're sitting here in 2023 still talking about something that was brought up in 2016. This wasn't something from the last campaign. This is Stormy Daniels. The report was given. Um, if you can't say that this is a political hit job, that they just don't like this guy, they don't want this guy running again in 2024, I think they really do fear Donald Trump running um, again. I think a lot of the things that have taken place since Biden won and, and took office or, or didn't win but still took office, people are, are tired of American politics. They're tired of where things are going. You know, Donald Trump paid a woman 130000 that we don't even know now. We're finding out that, you know, Cohen's lawyer sent over a memo that Cohen actually paid her um, this whole thing was propaganda from the beginning. It was something that this Manhattan DA just has it out. He's a, a Soros appointed uh, DA. 
or not a, not appointed, sorry, but paid for by George Soros. Hacked. Yeah, right. He's a yeah, political hack for him. Um, we saw a sitting president pay off Paul eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, lie, perjure himself, and everyone forgot it. Everyone let it go. But this guy did some. He should have just owned it from the beginning. Is what I what I've been saying. He should have just said, "Yeah, I did this. So what? You know, he's done plenty of other things. And if it was for to protect his image." I think you can say, well, he probably should have quit Twitter about a year into into office. That <laughs> that would have helped him a lot more. But we're still talking about a former president when we have so many issues going on. Our border on the south is just wide open. Um, it's about as wide open as you know Hunter Biden's nostrils for cocaine. Um, we have a war possibly going on with Russia if we don't stop doing what we're doing with China. Um, don't we have other things to be spending our taxpayers' money on besides trying to bring charges that are fallacious that really don't mean anything to anyone? I don't think, I think even if you ask people on the left, do you care that Donald Trump paid off a, a, a porn star, whatever she, whatever she is, whatever she claims to be, do you care? No, they, they don't care. I mean, there's far worse things going on in the world than, than that. So, uh, I think it's just people are tired of hearing it. And here we go, another Trump saga um, and him being drugged through the mud just because they don't like the guy. Well, yeah, when you look at uh, the, uh, a banking system that appears to be in a slow train wreck, yeah. um, I, I think that we can all agree it is a slow train wreck. Maybe it's a collapse. Hopefully not. But we're in trouble. That's, that's, a, that's a serious problem. We have uh, the Fed uh, wrestling with an impossible problem that they created. Mm -hmm. uh, do we do we raise uh, uh, the um, the um, percentages again? Um, they ended up with going a quarter of a percent, or do we uh, go the other way and try to help the banking system? Mm -hmm. Right, that's a serious problem. Re inflation continues to run away, um, and then you have the reality that. Uh, all of the uh, money that we printed, not only is there uh, an inflation level problem, we're only now just getting back to people um, needing to and wanting to work and make stuff, which is what will fix the economy. And, and yeah, so what, what's the answer? What are we going to focus on for the last two weeks now? Whether or not we're going to bring criminal charges um, for uh, paying off hush money to a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Is that a problem? Yes, it is. We've said that. We said it again uh, just a minute ago. Um, so let's be clear, that is a problem. But that's not why we're pursuing this, and that's why it's a miscarriage of justice. It's injustice. You can't have a Manhattan DA who says, well, we're not going to worry about the fact that uh, that Hillary Clinton kept private uh, classified documents on her server and then destroyed them and said that she never did it. Um, we're not going to recognize that um, you have a blatant violation, potentially, of campaign finance laws by uh, Barack Obama. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to focus on, on this salacious um, interlude or ongoing problem, depending on how you look at it, for Trump. Well, look, there are many good things that Trump did do, mm -hmm. um, and we uh, appreciate that, that reality. We appreciate the reality um, that uh, America was better off before Biden. That is undeniable, and you it, sure unless unless you actually believe the Trump uh, the White House Twitter feed now Biden's Twitter feed, um, I'm not sure how anyone actually does believe that level of horsepucky. Um, <laughs> then you you have to come away saying we are not better off. No. Uh, the only thing we can say is well it's not Biden's fault, which uh, okay there are rea <laughs> there are realities here, but spending that is true. It's not all Biden's fault. Uh, but spending that much money in that little time um, does tend to cause serious problems. That plus uh, a slavish um, dedication to the falsehoods of uh, extreme climate change is going to lead to serious 
hardship for the common man. And now we have another, <laughs> the world is about to end document published by the UN. You know, it's everybody's favorite intergovernmental bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, how many of us get up in the morning and go, man, I wonder what important information the UN is going to publish today. I'm surprised Greta, well, I'm surprised Greta's not on that panel. Um, and you can actually call her now by her first name. I saw that she's oh. so popular that she doesn't need her last name. And she just got an honorary doctorate from uh, a university <laughs> there. And I saw the I saw the greatest meme, Zach. I saw the greatest meme. It had her talking to her fellow classmates, saying, "I can't wait for our thirty year reunion." And uh, <laughs> it just shows you that climate change is is a fraud. Uh, everyone that's involved in climate change is a fraud. Gore is a fraud. He's been saying the same thing for twenty years. He actually said his campaign that the world was going to end in ten years. Well, it's right. twenty twenty three, and he's a little off. You know, the climate, the world ending for climate change is the left's version of the wackadoodle Christians who like to claim that Jesus is coming back. Yeah. Right? Like we tomorrow. know when he's coming back. Like tomorrow. And it's always, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same period of time. It's always been 10 yep. years for the wackadoodle climate change types. And it's been about, what is it, next year, yep. you know, 20, I forget how, how, how many different times it's, uh, it's been predicted. And it's Jesus a money is coming claim. back. The world is going to end. Hal yeah, Lindsay made millions and millions <laughs> of dollars of off of it and then wrote a book right. saying it was going to start th th in 89 and then 89 comes around he says oh well wait here's my sequel it's not actually 1999 <laughs> like come on it's right. a Wasn't money it 89 reasons why it's 89 i remember yeah. that i was 10 years old but i do remember that the so the un intergovernmental panel on climate change the ipcc uh as uh, you probably have seen reduced uh, produced a report saying that the world is approaching irreversible levels of global heating mm -hmm. catastrophic impacts rapidly becoming inevitable it's now or never. Now, this sounds remarkably like um, several years ago when it was 10 years. Somehow we've, you know, it's rolled back a few years, so it's still just 10. You can't explain it because uh, the carbon emissions have not dropped. They all agree. It, it's not lowering. You can't lower it because China is refusing. India isn't playing ball. Um, most of the rest of the world simply does not believe it. Yeah. Um, it's only a political issue in America and Europe. Um, and and you, you, the greater Americas, you could argue that it's Canada. Um, the political and, hacks and so don't the, believe it, though. They build, well, they build these houses on water. They all fly their private jets, whether it's an hour away or, or 30 minutes away. It, yep. it, it really is a hack. They're telling European farmers that if you can't be net yep. zero and greenhouse gases, then uh, we're going to phase you out. You're going to phase out farming? <laughs> like, and this is where it gets to yeah. where you start to get to the conspiracy theorists, you know, tinfoil hat uh, guys that come out against Bill Gates and what he's trying to do. They want us to eat liquid liquid fake meat and this and that no well that's what soylent if, green maybe yeah if that's what they want you to do if they're going to get rid of farming then good luck i mean i just bought chickens for the first time in my life we have 12 chickens in our laundry room and it's sustainability <laughs> i'm raising my own chickens because pretty soon or not they're going to say well right. chickens are really bad for the earth let's just start killing them you should check into rabbits next yeah but the reality is you're absolutely right they don't believe this of course they don't believe this it, it you can't watch this for very long without coming away saying, you know, somebody's trying to get control of something mm -hmm. here. I'm not, I'm not claiming that there's some great conspiracy in the sense that you have all these people in one room trying to control the, the world, but you do have evil people who are trying to control large chunks of things. No one's saying that that is some great conspiracy. It's a known fact, guys. Uh, bad guys want to do bad things, and mm -hmm. if they get more power and more money, they want to do more bad things. I know this is horribly shocking, um, but it's something that <laughs> that is also patently obvious. And so, how how do you not laugh? How do you not just laugh it off when some group of bureaucrats who hardly know what temperature it is outside the air conditioned and climate controlled rooms they live in, mm -hmm. and uh, how? They, they have no idea what it's like in the, in the rest of the world where they are supposed to be, their chunk of the world, we're supposed to be governing it, and they produce these documents that, that proclaim that we're just going to end farming. Yeah, That's what we're going to do. It's, just, we'll, it, we'll just it's a scare turn tactic, farming right? They, they want to scare people to the exactly point where, hey, you're going to be alive and there'll be no food. Your, your skin's going to boil. Um, they're doing the same thing. And the U.S. Congress will pass a farm bill this year with inflation reduction. They're going to give $20 billion to the climate fund in agriculture. Um, food prices have ri risen 
over the past year in the U.S. Climate restrictions will only send prices higher. Think about that. You start restricting farmers. You start getting rid of farmers that are, whether it's chickens or it's cows, whatever it may be. You, what do you think the price is? Inflation. Inflation will have nothing on that monster when you go to a store and it's it's twenty five dollars for a carton of eggs or it's fifty dollars for a car, you know a gallon of milk. Um, I don't I don't see how people are falling for this. But then again, you know, we fell for Fauci's nonsense for two years. People did, and people did. People, people are did, still wearing sure. people still wearing masks everywhere. You go. Uh, we went into IKEA. People are still wearing masks. Some lady was walking around with mask and gloves. You know, sometimes I think I just notice it more Me, um, yeah. when I think back. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's not. There certainly are people who have been, who, who are still, uh, they, they live in a, a, a dark place, it mm-hmm. seems, of fear and, um, and perhaps irrationally. There are people, and it is, it is legitimate to say that, well, if I want to protect myself when I go outside, I should wear a mask. Okay. All right, as long as you're not making everyone do it, as mm-hmm. long as you're not telling people you can't feed your family, you can't go to church, you can't even leave your house, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but yes, it does. You do come away saying, are there people who are being terrorized by by people like Fauci, people like Greta Thunberg? Yeah. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. You know what the good news is from my perspective? Now, there's lots of bad news, of course. There's lots of bad news. Sure. This is this is still the world. Um, in 2020, there was plenty of bad news from then until now about what government politicians will do in order to take power and how long how long they will remember that all they had to do was claim that, well, that's it. All you have to do is breathe air and you will die now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yes, they did. They learned some some valuable lessons for their from their perspective on taking power and tyrannizing over people. You know, I think there's also some good news, though, when you see the number of people in America who just said, you know what, that's it. That is that is not true. We are not doing it. Mm-hmm. The number of people who, who never did buy into the level of, of BS being sold by um, the political class. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by it every day. Now, I happen to live in a state where outside a, the county that holds Salt Lake City, Salt Lake County, and one more neighboring county where Park City is, which is one of the uh, highest rent places in the world. Um, these people uh, had a different perspective. Salt Lake and Summit counties were a problem in Utah. The rest of Utah said, yeah, we're not doing it. We're mm-hmm. not buying into it. It's not happening. And when government politicians, and all of them did, when our government officials uh, made different proclamations about you're going to wear a mask, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, um, there was tremendous pushback. People just didn't do it. They just said, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm not doing it. Make me. Um, and now you have a growing number of people who look at the evidence and come away saying, that didn't work. We were duped. Yeah, We were duped. That did not pan out. Look what happened with Putin when Praise he, when he shut that. down the gas, right, for that little bit, almost sent us in a recession. And then you realize how important that energy is for yep. us and, and the, sec- and the yes. security of having energy. You know, we have a pipeline here that right away, as soon as this guy, resident Biden, took office, shut it down. And why are our gas prices so high? Because we're relying on importing gas and oil or oil from other countries right. instead of just yes. supplying our own, dropping the prices well, yes. for our people. Um, I and still, I paid to point out. Yeah, I paid four fifty for a gallon of diesel yesterday. That's it's absurd. Yes, it is. It's absurd. Well, and prices are still ridiculous. You know, we're we're all not we're not paying five dollars a gallon, and so people are like, oh, well, I guess that's better, and it is better. Yeah, I sure. Mean, I'll, you know, it's fifty cents. Yeah. But the reality, the left loves to point out that, well, just because of Keystone, that wouldn't have had the capacity to, to change the problem. Oh, sure. But that's kind of like saying, well, because I, you know, because I can't deal with this one part, I, I don't want a 5% growth in my, in my income. I don't want a 5% increase. I don't want a 20% increase yeah. because that's not all of it. Mm-hmm. It's not 100%, so it doesn't matter. Um, do these people hear themselves when they talk? Do no. they think that we actually believe them when they talk? That's laughable. Of course, Keystone wouldn't fix the problem all on its own, but you have a general policy of shut down, close down, clamp down, turn down your AC, turn down your heat, take care, just just rough it, suffer, mm-hmm. eat cake. That's the attitude. Because if you don't, we're all going to die. And so eventually, you do wonder how many times they can hit the panic button before people look around and go, yeah, that was definitely crying wolf. Mm-hmm. I begin to see that, yeah, it does work. Um, and you know what? There is a fascinating um, section of de Tocqueville's book, 
Alexis de Tocqueville wrote uh, a, um, an observation of what Americans are like about 20 years after the American War for Independence. And he observed something about American people. Um, and I think this is an observable thing about human nature that may be emphasized in the, um, the psyche of citizens of the United States. And that is, we're willing to put up with a lot. And as long as it really doesn't start de- biting too deeply, there's a lot of toleration for um, for for hogwash, for stuff that just is not true. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's causing problems. But then when it does begin and you see, oh, this actually does cause a serious problem that will affect me, people respond. Mm-hmm. And you see that. You see it around the quote-unquote pandemic. You see, and it's not that it wasn't a, a horrible disease. It is. It's that the government solution was worse, and everybody admits it now. Just about everyone has to admit it. And what was people's response to this horrible solution? Non-compliance. Yeah. There were a lot of people who did, and that's where the focus needs to be. Does that mean it's all going to be roses? No, it's not. Um, there could be. But when it, name a time in human history when we didn't have to be able to take care of ourselves, when we could just, oh, it's fine. Society and, and infrastructure and government will take care of us. That's never been true. Never. That has never been true. Uh, it's just maybe more of us are becoming aware of the fact that, yeah, it's not true. Sure. And the reality is that if Trump brings in Greta to his cabinet, right, and, and introduces her. Biden? No, Trump. I'm oh, talking no, Trump. I'm sorry. I I'm see. saying Trump if brings her in. Right. She's not even Got a it. talk of anyone anymore. She's <laughs> she's done. She's really, you know, related to They'll him. find but another one. The fact that yeah. she stared him down is yeah. that 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 video clip will live on forever. He walks into the to the meeting and she's staring him down yeah, and you right. can just see the people just se- like Nancy Pelosi celebrating. And at that point right there, you knew this was their golden child. This was their golden child. The left was going to use Greta to do all kinds of damage um, to the, the climate change argument and to just really just because she opposed Trump and was a young girl who got... Her feelings hurt because Trump didn't acknowledge her when he walked into the room and walked right by her um, because he realized that climate change really is an important thing that we need to spend our time and effort and money into. Um, not when other countries like, like you've already said, India, China are not going to follow the same greenhouse emissions tests that we're going to follow. We could go they, dependent yeah, they, on solar. Yeah, they run us over. We can go dependent on solar as a country and it, would, it wouldn't change the carbon footprint at all. And that, yep. to me, is like, we're selling a lie. There has to be a solution that doesn't involve America just shouldering everything. Yes. Um, and that is the popular argument for people who benefit by American spending. Well, America needs to get involved in this war and that yeah. war and spend billions and billions of dollars and, and spend lives mm-hmm. because we have to shoulder the burden. Yeah. Uh, okay, is it right for a country that has tremendous blessing to seek to be a blessing to other people? Yes, sure. it is. Is it right for me to go over to my neighbor and at gunpoint force him to give money to someone? No. Because that's really what's going on. Is it right for me to go over to my neighbor and at gunpoint force him to give up things that he needs mm-hmm. for the greater good because, oh my goodness, the world is about to end? No, it's not. That's wrong. It's called theft. And it doesn't really matter whether I'm doing it with the gun in my hand or whether I use a policeman or a member of the military to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is what they're proposing. This is what the left, that's what happens when you make laws that force people to do things. Mm-hmm. You eventually have men with guns that make you do it. That's the reality. And that's really what we're talking about. That's what the IP, IPCC is talking about. They are trying to build enough of a threat so that America can be, and, and other, other countries can be forced to knuckle under and allow other people to take control of the resources. Mm-hmm. Now, from my perspective, yes. Are there people who are trying to do that? You bet. You bet there are. There's no question. The good news is there is there's a clear path. Uh, continue working forward. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us.